What a great day to worship the Lord. Thank you for being here. Uh, we're looking forward to a, a new series. Um, this church has a culture of love and appreciation for and prayer for Israel and for Jerusalem as the scriptures have taught us. A lot of times the uh, culture being there, we don't understand the why behind it. We know the what, but we don't understand the why. And I'm so thankful that, uh, Brother Dean, why don't you head this way, um, that the church has people who have a passion for this, learning the things about Israel and about uh, how the, that faith, the Jewish faith, <laughs> has affected our own and what we can do uh, to uh, make that more a part of the foundation of our relationship with the Lord. So um, we are looking forward to, Brother, you probably know, have known Brother uh, Dean Osborne for longer than you have me, but I just wanted to give this time of transition. After this, he'll be coming up after the music, and uh, we'll be presenting what the Lord has laid on his heart. But would you make welcome our own brother, Dean Osborne. God bless you, brother Dean. Love you. Okay. Can you hear me now? <clears throat> okay. Uh, we got a uh, four-week series going here on why we love Israel. I appreciate uh, Pastor Jones giving us the time to come in and do this series on Wednesday nights. Uh, it will go through now through April 25th. We will be skipping the 17th. That will be your Easter break. And if I can um, go ahead and, since I'm up here and take advantage a little bit, <laughs> I'd like to invite you all out also on Thursday nights, 6.30, room 303, back over there, we have our Israel small group, and basically we just get back there and we go through portions of the scripture each week. Normally, Mike Devaney leads us in the discussion, but he won't be able to be there this week, so they'll have to put up with me again tomorrow. And if you want to come out and read, we're going to, tomorrow we're going to be going through portions of Leviticus, chapters 9 through 11. And um, we, we just present the scripture, throw out some thoughts, and then let, if you have something you want to say, and Mike Devaney describes the scriptures this way, it's like a diamond. We all see something a little bit different. If you're looking at this side of the diamond, you'll see this facet of it. If you're looking at this side of the diamond, you'll see this facet of it. And each direction people see just a little bit different facet of the diamond, but when we put them all together, we get a picture of what that diamond really looks like. And that's what we want to do on Thursday nights. We look at the scripture. You can really add to what we do by showing up and sharing with us what the scripture looks like to you and help give us a better picture, and we can all share together. Uh, I will... It is a, we do have a lot of fun, but we do take the word very seriously. So it's the, the most fun during a serious time you'll ever have is how I like to phrase it. <laughs> so tonight we're going to start getting in this series on why we love Israel. Tonight's lesson, we'll talk about God's chosen man, God's chosen clan, and God's chosen plan. I think we all know the man is Abraham, 
and the clan is through his seed, Isaac and Jacob. And his plan, we will go over four reasons that God chose the Jews and what the Jews bring to the whole world. There are four major blessings that come through the Jewish nation to us. And that's God's chosen plan. So the first scripture we're going to go over tonight is will be in Genesis chapter 12. If you want to be uh, turning over there. And we'll go ahead and pray tonight's lesson. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, your son, come to you right now. We ask that your words, your wisdom, your knowledge, and your truth be brought forth in tonight's lesson. We want to know what you want us to know about Israel, about your chosen people, your chosen land, and we want you to get all the glory and everything to be pointed to you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to start off reading uh, verses 1 through 5 from chapter 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. God looked down on the earth and chose a man named Abram. And I really got to believe that God, God had did something like this before. In Genesis, God looked down on all the earth and tried to find a man. And the man he found was Noah. And he said, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now what that means to me is, it wasn't that everybody's looking up to God and God says, uh, okay, Noah, you're the guy. It's God's looking down on everybody and says, all right, now who's looking back at me? Noah found the grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah, he's the one looking back. He's, he's the guy. We're going with Noah. I believe that at this same time, God's looking down on the earth and he sees, there's Abram. Abram's a man I can use. Abram is a man I choose. And God, I tell you what, when God makes a choice, we don't always understand why, but I tell you what, he's never wrong. God chose Abram and it was the right choice at the right time. Now, did he choose Abram because Abram was perfect? Absolutely not, which is a comfort to me 
because if God only used perfect people, I wouldn't be up here speaking to you right now. So God is able to redeem that which is unperfect. In fact, look at, look at the first thing God told Abram to do. Leave your country and leave your family. Abram got 50% of it right. He left the country, but he didn't leave the family. He took his dad and he took his nephew. And because of that, his dad stopped him along the way and they went just a few miles down the road and stayed there till his dad passed away. Then they went on their way and he still had Lot with them. And we all know that in the end there were two countries, the Ammonites and the Edomites, who came out of Lot and they were thorns in the sides of Abraham's descendants from them. Was Abraham perfect? No. Did God call him to do something great? Yes. God called him. All God is looking out of each and every one of you is to be willing. Look back up at God and say, I accept your call. I will do what you've called me to do. Okay, I may not be perfect. I may have stumbled a time or two, but God, I want to stay on your plan. I want what you have for me in my life. Abram is a, an example of that. It's like faith. He's called the father of the faithful. He was a faithful man, not a perfect man, but a faithful man. And the... Um, here we're going to start looking at four, the four blessings I told you about that come out of God's plan for choosing Abraham. In verses 2 and 3, we see that God called Abram to make of the Jews a great nation that will bless the earth. The Jews will bless the earth. And they have blessed the earth mightily. I mean, even today, a small country like Israel, uh, if just an example, what they've done since 1948, 70 years, they are number three and four exporters of flowers and fruit in the world. I mean, these are commodities. And you say, what's important about flowers? Try living your life without plants. You're not going to last too long. And it's actually flowers and trees that in one of the ministries that uh, we're going to be presenting later on, one of the lessons coming up is what can you do to help Israel? There's a ministry out there where you can contribute money that helps them plant eucalyptus trees in the land of Israel. And this ministry is going, it's ravishing, and it is reclaiming the land of Israel, because Israel is one of the rockiest places on earth. And the eucalyptus tree is specifically created to live in that kind of comet, uh, climate, break up the rocky ground, and make it usable and to live in. So what Israel is doing today for the world, and look at its small population, how many scientific advancements. I mean, I don't know if any of you have heard that coming out of Israel, if they haven't already put it together, the cure for cancer is close. It's coming. I, I, I tell you, if it don't come, I'll tell you 
one reason the pharmaceutical companies won't make money off of it. They don't make money off cures. They make money off treatments. But, but Israel is bringing this to us. Uh, Pulitzer Prize winners, Nobel Prize winners, the percentage of Jewish people per the population is improportionate with the rest of the world compared to what they offer us in arts, science, literature. The Jewish people bless the world practically and they bless us spiritually. And, well, one of the things when you go through the verses, you just can't just throw out the parts you don't like, okay? <laughs> it says God will bless those who bless Israel. It also says he will curse those who curse Israel, okay? This is my take on it. And another thing Mike Devaney has taught us in our Thursday night classes, if you ever get a chance to sit down and talk to Mike Devaney, that's highly recommended time and very well spent. This man is incredible. But the the Greek way of looking thing is yes or no. I mean, Greek, the New Testament, black and white. But the Hebrew way of looking things is yes and. More than one answer can be right even if our human minds can't reconcile, can't reconcile how they're both right. They're, they can both be right. So God will, my, there's many different ways that the thing where God will curse those who curse Israel. This is my particular take on it. There, it's not the, what I'm saying with what Mike taught us is this is probably not the only one, but this is my take on it. God does not cause disease. God does not cause car accidents. God does not cause you to go into poverty. God does not cause any. Satan is the ruler of this world, okay? Uh, it's amazing. Satan has to go back and laugh so much that he does all these things and God gets blamed for it. A child passes away. Why didn't God save that child? Well, Satan is the father of death. It's his, and people will blame God. Why didn't God save that child? This is the thing on the cursing that I have. God, all right, now, has a hedge of protection about people. And I want to say this first with a thing. God's hedge of protection can come down. And first of all, it can come down for many reasons. If your hedge of protection doesn't come down, don't automatically assume you're Job. The hedge of protection came down off of Job because God had so much confidence in this man that whatever happens to Job, he is going to stand up by me. He is not going to deny me. He's going to be my man. Satan, you think you have something here? I got something. Job's my boy. Look at this. Do what you want to him. He's going to stand by me. I don't know how many of us really, you know, are, are at Job's level with that. But I do know this. And I'll give an example of work. About five years ago, one of my friends who's a truck driver said some really, really bad things about the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. Blamed them for the earth's problems. and I mean, he just, I mean, took Israel part up one side and down the other. Five years later, the man was in a pretty bad car accident. He, he'll live, but he will never be back to work. 
God did not cause that car accident. The natural order of that man's life led to that moment. God's hand of protection, I believe, is what it's talking about when it says he will curse those. God's hand of protection will not be upon you. When you, your life will unfold the way it would unfold without God in it. I don't know if I'm making my, I mean, life is going to happen. Sick, sickness happens, but God's hand of protection can protect you from that sickness, can heal you from that sickness, and take care of you. If you've cursed the nation Israel, I personally believe you're in danger of not having that protection. Your finances can be, I, I think when we get to heaven, it'll be amazing how many, it's like, I don't feel blessed financially. I think you will be amazed how many of your appliances did not break that should have broke and cost you a lot of money in the repairs. God is blessing us. Most of the time we don't even know. But if you curse Israel, you're putting yourself in a very dangerous place. And um, that's just my take. Um, the keys of my car are in my jacket if somebody can have it started and ready for me to run out when I'm done here. <laughs> um, okay. Did this calling end with Abraham? The second one we see is the calling was to his seed, the nation Israel. Oh, oh no, this is still part of the first one. Um, those who bless um, the Jews will be a blessing throughout the world. And in Genesis 2-2, uh, we see here that um, the calling, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. This blessing is coming forth through his seed, the nation Israel. There's a lot of debate and speculation on this, but the, the scriptures are, are very clear that Ab Isaac is the called. The called seed. The blessings are to come through Isaac, through Jacob, and the nation Israel. This blessing, that, that, that's just where, where it comes. The, the third one I want to talk about, uh, Jeff, uh, Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. What advantage then hath the Jew... Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. The word of the Lord came through the Jewish people. And with the exception of Luke, the entire Bible was written by the Jews. The word of God was given to us through the Jewish people. The Jewish writers heard the voice of the Holy Spirit and wrote the word and it was passed down to us. And 
where are we at right now as a church? Back to the book. What does the book say about this? Not what, this is the hard one. Not what did grandma say about this. Not what did grandpa say about this. And I, I'm telling you, if you're talking to somebody out at Walmart, what pastor said about this works for us. It don't work for them. You have to know what the word says and why it works in your life. I mean, the word, everything we need is in the word, but it says the truth, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That's basically saying the truth that you know will make you free. If you don't know it, it can't make you free. And what we're doing now, back to the book, we need to spend more time getting back in the book and in the scriptures and learning what the Bible says and let the Bible form our opinions. And my, per, my personal preference on Bible study, anybody who knows me, is the verse-by-verse -verse Bible study method. Because in that way, you get the right doctrines in the right order, in the right amount, in the right context, and it just flows. And you can't skip anything. <clears throat> I remember uh, I was teaching through the book of Romans one time, and there were some very uncomfortable subjects in Romans. I ended up, one lesson was completely on homosexuality. Another lesson was completely on euthanasia. Now, how many would be excited if Pastor Ray says, come out this Sunday morning, I'm preaching on euthanasia. That don't push our buttons, folks. <laughs> but if you go verse by verse, you can't skip it. It's in there. I mean, you got to take everything as it comes to you. And that's uh, whether it's good. If you go topical, and topical is good. There are some people who are experts on faith. They're experts on healing, experts on marriage, experts on uh, love. You know, we have people who specialize on things. And there, there is a place that is needed. But for your own personal time and your own personal foundation, learn the word. All of it. And I, I love. And it was a discussion last Thursday night at a at small group. We had discussed the different ways to uh, go through the Word. We discussed Sister Ambergie's leading us through the Bible, reading through the Bible, uh, verse by verse, going through it straight through. And that is useful for getting more of the Word into you faster. It's like, and my uncle. My Uncle Lawrence, who the Rattlers back there know, <laughs> mentioned to me tonight. Lawrence says that he does that because when he hears something that somebody says, he may not be able to say chapter and verse why it's wrong, but he knows it's wrong. He's spent the time going through the whole thing just over and over. And Lawrence is also a very detailed verse-by-verse -verse studier as well. I don't think Lawrence watches a lot of TV, but that's just a guess on my part. But, and there are the advantages we've talked about verse by verse, the topical study, 
reading through. And it's not going to happen if we're sitting at the TV watching the same Andy Griffith rerun for the 179th time. I'm sorry, I got... Can I just hear something totally out in left field here? That's what we do on Thursday night, too. There are plenty. We, we get in some places that not just in left field that aren't even at the ballpark. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Thursday night people know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> my, my wife and I, we found this uh, flavor of spaghetti sauce we absolutely love. Classico Italian sausage. Awesome. Uh, about three times a week, she makes this spaghetti. And we always have to sit down and get on that. I don't know if you remember that episode of Andy Griffith where he ended up having three spaghetti dinners in one night. (laughs) Season 7, episode 17. (coughs) We do this three times a week. We'll watch that same episode while we're eating our spaghetti. Don't tell her I said that. (laughs) But at any rate. It is good spaghetti. <laughs> the word. And the word isn't going to get in here by accident. And if I could just say this, when you go into the word, don't make it, all right, Sister Liz says we got to read these chapters today. Pastor wants us to get back in the book. I'll find something to study today. Oh boy, how much time is this going to take? Folks, you you don't have to do this. And God will not love you anymore if you read it or don't. God's love, he loved you. But folks, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you get to do this. You get to read the Bible. You get to grow closer to God. You get to learn what his word says. You get to put his word as a living breathing part of you inside of you and make it part of your everyday life so when you go through life and things aren't happening right you can stand on what the word of God says because it's here it's real and you can stand and the enemy isn't going to defeat you no matter how he comes against you you have the word inside here you get to do that one of our favorite I know I go back to our Thursday night but that's where I'm at right now one of our favorite words on Thursday night is wow Sometimes we just stop and look at each other at the table and go, wow, that is a wow moment, folks. We get to have this word live inside of us. And it came to us through the Jews. That is important, very important. Okay. Get my head back around what I'm doing here. Where Where am I, Jeff? Leviticus? (laughs) Leviticus chapter 11, verses 44 and 45. For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For I am the Lord that bringeth you out of the land of Egypt, to be your God, ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. The Jews will be a holy nation unto the Lord. Holiness. And it says, especially this word here, 
you shall sanctify yourselves. Now, this word sanctify, what does this word sanctify mean? Well, we can look it up in the Greek, look it up in the Hebrew, look up this and do our YouTube study. Someone here saying sanctified means set apart. Plain and simple. The minute you're saved, you are set apart from the penalty of sin. When you go through life, you are set apart from the power of sin. When you make it to heaven, you will be eternally set apart from the presence of sin. You are sanctified. The Jews are called to be a holy people. And they are a holy people because he is the Lord. You today are a holy person because you are in Christ Jesus. And you don't have to talk yourself into being holy. Say, I don't have to go to an Osborne family reunion and say, okay, we're Osbournes. We got to talk ourselves into this. You're an Osborne. You're an Osborne. You're an Osborne. My cousin, but she's a Spice Girl. We're all Osbournes. We don't have to go, give me an O. Give me an S. Give me a B. Osbournes, Osbournes, just a re. It doesn't come to that. We're Osbournes. We know it, plain and simple, done. You're holy. You're holy. God has set you apart to live this life for him. And how do you do that? Get back to the book. We need to want to do this. We get to do this. It's not like we have to. We get to do this. We get the word in our lives. We get to live holy. And <clears throat> we, we, need, we need this. If I can, I, I, I love humor, okay? Keeps you all awake if nothing else. <laughs> but a very serious story. Years ago, when I was teaching Bible study, we had had the Bible study on being set apart, and it was really for the young people about what kind of company they hang around with. Where are they at 2 a.m. on Saturday night? What are they doing? Where are they at? Who are they with? And one young man wasn't there for this. 16 years old. This Saturday night, he was a party where drinking, drugs, and guns were. He was shot that night. And if you know how the heart beats, the bullet, if, if his heart would have been like that when the bullet came in, he would have died. It just so happened that his heart was down when the bullet entered. And only by that and the grace of God and a praying grandmother did he survive that. He could have been, maybe the word of God would have convicted him from going to a place like that. We need the word of God in our lives so we take care of our business. And there is a world out there, right, we, you know, we're a church of about 13 to 1400. I don't know if you're aware of this, but probably not all 1,400 are on fire. Maybe not. They need to see the word holiness living in us. 
No compromise from what the Word says. The Word says this is wrong, it's wrong. The Word says this is right, it's right. And they need to see us as living examples. They need to see us living it. They need to hear us saying it. They need to be able to know that what the Word of God says is true and it works. And holy lifestyle. Our Church of God says holiness is God's standard of living for His people. What does that mean? It means you live on Friday night at 2 a.m., just like you're in the sanctuary at 9 a.m. listening to Pastor Ray preach. I mean, hey, it's easy to come to church and live it. A lot of people can come to a church and you know, go through the motions and speak Christianese real good, and they can fool us. Come Tuesday afternoon, Friday night. That's where it comes. They need to see us. It starts here. It starts with me. It starts with you. The amount of people we have in here tonight, the, the amount of people here tonight is not just enough to change this church on the level of fire. This is enough to change the whole city. Absolutely. Okay, focus. <laughs> Number four, uh, where am I at here, Jeff? <laughs> Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Thank you. <clears throat> Jeff's a good man. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. The Messiah, Jesus, came through the Jews. How much better does it get than that? Is there anything that God could give us better than his son, the Messiah, coming to live and die for us? He, it's amazing. You can tell people, you know, about the, that Jesus was a Jew and they go, huh? People don't know this. No, he wasn't a Jew. He was an American. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think my history might say something else, but, you know, th this concept that Jesus was a Jew, he came through the Jewish people to us. The Jews gave us all these great things. They gave us the word. They gave us blessings. They brought us holiness. They brought us the Messiah. God's chosen people is coming. And it's like, you say, well, is it fair of God to choose the Jews? I mean, what, what, what gives him the right to just choose the Jews? Why couldn't he have chose somebody else or went to a different country or whatever? You get God, call me crazy, but God has the right to choose his bride. Those of you who are married, Jeff, would you want me to come and tell you you had to marry someone else, or are you glad you married Amy? You better say you're glad you married Amy. Or you're, okay, <laughs> good call. 
he chose who he wanted. What gives him the right to choose who he wants to be his bride? We don't question that, but we'll sure question, what gives God the right? He's God. He gets to choose. And history shows his choice was right. His choice was perfect. His choice gave this world everything. Because he gave us the Messiah, I accept Jesus as my Savior. Now my soul is enlightened so I can learn the word. I learn the word. I can live holy. And now God blesses me. These four things aren't like four different things. They all work together, and they all came because of the Jewish people. The Jews have a, and they still have an important part to play in God's plan with us. Okay, if you'll uh, give me just a second here, I'm going to read a section of scripture. Uh, we're going to start talking about the covenant God made with Abraham, okay? And I'm going to read Genesis chapter 15, verses 7 through 18. <clears throat> and he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the mist, and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. This word, covenant. God made a covenant with Abram. The covenant was concerning the land. And God, this is, and this is basically, most of you if, might uh, already know this, covenants in the Old Testament were made this way. You took animals and you slayed them together. You burnt them together and you made a promise together. And the reason you had to kill the animals is it's saying that this is a blood sacrifice and it is serious. It said, if you break the terms of this covenant, you are going to die just like this animal did. 
And that when people, two people came together and made a covenant of this nature, this was a very serious binding. If you broke this, your life was forfeit. Now, Abram and God wanted to make this covenant together. One little problem, Abram fell asleep. God went through, took care of the animals, took care of the burning, took care of the covenant, uh, took care of everything, the sacrifices, and God did all the work. Abraham did nothing. So therefore, the way this covenant played out was the entire provisions of this covenant was upon God to fulfill his end. Abraham had no responsibilities to do anything to receive anything God promised. Nothing. He, well, one responsibility, receive it. That's all he had to do. God said, Abraham, this covenant's for you. These blessings are for you. This land is for you. This is all about you. So we have here that this covenant seriously made to Abraham unconditional. Now, I've come across this in my uh, travels across the years that um, uh, God's love is unconditional, okay? There are times when, when his rewards, certain rewards are conditional, okay? There are those times, if you do this, I'll do that. Okay, salvation given to us through Jesus Christ is not what you accept it, it's yours. Jesus says it is finished. He didn't say to be continued. You accept salvation, it's yours. You don't have to do anything to earn it or jump through any hoops to get it. And this is where back to the book comes into play. Learn what blessings are if I do this, I get this. Learn what blessings are. This is mine because God said it is. You're not going to know that unless you're learning the word and figuring out, okay, this, this situation is different than this because I have to do something here for this reward. But God's love and blessings and everything he gave me is unconditional. We need to spend the time rightly dividing the word and learning it and making it a part of us. So. Okay, Genesis. Where am I at now? 17, 19? Okay. And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And the next few verses, it goes about to talk about the son, his other son Ishmael will have something else. But the covenant that's made here, unconditional with Abraham, goes through Isaac and his seed forever to the Jewish people. And in closing, uh, let's see, Exodus chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. 
and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Now this was when the children of Israel were in their 400 years of captivity to Egypt. It says, God looked on their captivity and remembered them. Now, it's not like this. Here's God going along. Oh, that's a nice, you know, that's what's going on here. Oh, wait, I remember, Israel. Okay, I got to go. That's not what happened. Like all of a sudden God was doing other things and all of a sudden he remembered Israel. God continually remembered Israel. Just as when it says God remembered Noah on the ark. It is a continual remembering. God had Noah on his mind the whole time. God had the children of Israel on his mind the whole time. God has you on his mind the whole time. And this is where we're at with this covenant coming down through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And it's to us. It's like, it's a picture to us that go, to me it's like this, all right? I read Romans chapter 8. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You mean all the goofy things I've done and I'm not condemned? Not because of Christ Jesus. That's a promise God made in spite of me. Nothing's going to separate me from the love of God. That's a promise. Unconditional. His love will not separate from me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If God be for me, who can be against me? All right, God, I hear your word, but how do I know you're going to keep these promises to me. These are great promises. I love them. I'd love to believe. How do I know? These are in Romans chapter 8, most of them. Then he says, well, let me show you something here, Romans 9, 10, and 11. He saw all of a sudden Paul starts talking about the Jewish people. And God is not through with the Jew. This is next week's lesson. God is not through with the Jew. So he's not through with you. He's saying that, you know, the Jewish people said, we will not have this man roll over us when they, right before Jesus was crucified. God said, I don't care that they said that. I made a promise. I'm keeping it. I will fulfill every promise I gave Israel because I said so. This is how I know there is now no for, there is therefore now no condemnation in my life because God made that unconditional promise to me. He said so, not because of me. Nothing's going to separate me from the love of God because he said so, not because I'm such a neat guy. Nothing is going to be greater than he, me, than he that's in the world. I have the greatest living in me because he said so. All things work together for good to them who love the Lord because he said so, not because I've been so great. It's unconditional. These things are working for us. Uh, just another thing on that, all things work together for good. Your understanding why they're good is never part of God's equation. Something may happen, and you think, wait a minute, that ain't good. No, it's good, because God's word says it's good. But I don't understand. That's not part of what God said. God didn't understand. You said you have to understand why it's good. And, you know, honestly, and this is going to be a tough one, but if you say this is happening in my life and it's not good, then I have a choice to make. Either you're lying 
or the Word of God is lying. I choose you. Because the Word of God is true, no matter what. He says, you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. You say, I'm trying to draw near to God, but I just don't feel him. No, you're not. You may say you are, and you may think you are, but if you were really doing it, seeking it with your heart, he would draw near to you, and you would know it. Knowing the word, his promises are to you unconditional. You are not going to be separated from God's love. You are not going to be condemned. You are a child of God, and everything he has in the book is yours because he said so, and he backed it up with all the power, authority, and might of heaven. I'm telling you, I'm going to borrow a line from my good friend Bill Wolf here. If God was going to give you anything else, where would he get it? He's given you everything. God has nothing more to give. He's not withholding anything from God wants you to have this more than you want it. And I don't care how much you want it. God wants this in your life more than you want to receive it. And he has worked everything through the ages, century after century after century, to get these blessings to you so you can spend eternity with him. And that's, and it all comes because the Jews were on the earth. Because Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees, took that first step, and put us on a path to where we need to be in Christ Jesus. So appreciate you all being here. Hope you uh, come on out next week, and uh, uh, we'll uh, find out that God is not through with the Jew or you. <laughs> the word of God. That's wonderful. Thank you, brother. Um, I wanted to mention three quick things. There is a uh, game night, not this Friday, but the next. The following day, 6th through the 13th, the Heritage Ministry is setting aside time to do a little cleanup, uh, prep work in a certain area we've selected. There'll be other groups, I guess, who are selecting some areas, but uh, there's a sign-up sheet out there for that. So if you want to sign up and uh, find a time and work with some people to to uh, prepare the grounds for Easter and for spring. Praise the Lord. We need you. Sign up out there. And then the Gatlinburg trip um, coming up the end of uh, April, April 30th through May 2nd. If you have an interest in this, let me know as soon as you can, and uh, we'll work out the details, payment plan, interest rates, and all those things. So just let us know so we'll make sure. We get um, the travel arrangement set. $250, and I think it's five meals, and you're good to go. God bless. Thank you. Let's stand together. Thank you again, Brother Osborne. I love this. Father, we thank you for the power of your word in our lives. And because of that word of God, we know it's quick and powerful and sharp. I know that there are things in our hearts, Lord, that you are setting uh, away from us, setting apart from us because of the the preciseness and the keenness, the sharpness of your word. So I ask, Lord, that we be ready to receive that and to walk in the light of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.